In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So I got a text message a couple of days ago for one of us. You know, many of you reach out and asking for prayers, and absolutely, that's what we do. We pray for each other. So one of our parishioners texts, Father, asking for your prayers for my daughter's friend, Lizzie. She was in a bounce house that flew into power lines yesterday and is in the hospital in the pediatric ICU with no brain activity. The family is asking for prayers and a miracle. She's nine years old, Lizzie. So imagine they're at a, probably at a party, bounce house that we all seen our kids play in bounce houses all the time. And then, as in Reno, you know, we all, we all go to Reno. Sometimes these these gusts just come out of nowhere, and so it lifts up the bounce house and throws it into power lines. Imagine that a split second. They're watching the kids play. All of a sudden, life changes. She was sent to renown. And uh, when I text a couple days later asking for an update, well, what was going on? And she said, it's official. There's no brain activity whatsoever. In fact, it was, uh, I think, on Friday, where they decided, the family decided to remove life support, the family have flown in from all over the country to donate Lizzie's organs to, as, as a donor. And, and, and uh, Renown, we met a physician at, at Mass on Saturday, and he approached me after Mass, and he said, yeah, it's called uh, an honor walk, where all of the staff will come <laughs> out and they'll line the corridor to the operating room. And the, and the doctor told me it was a huge, hundreds of the employees, the family came. They lined the hallway as the family pushed Lizzie. And I, sh I share this because it, this, is, this is unmitigated tragedy. There's no way around it. That's so why a particular way, let's especially now at this Mass, let's lift up the Hammond family in profound prayer. Huh? Let's, let's, let's pray this Mass with the intensity today. This is too heavy for them to carry by themselves. Because you, you parents in here, you know. And some of you have lost your own children, and it's one of the most painful, painful events of your life from what you share with me. And so this particular mass, let's, let's pray this mass as if it were our last mass. This is the last mass you will ever, ever encounter. So let's pray with that type of ferocity, huh? Let's pray with that type of power, especially to, to lift up the Hammond family. So we look at a situation like this, and immediately, of course, the, the biggest question is why? What is the meaning behind all of this? Now, Thomas Aquinas in the 12th century, 
He writes that suffering is the greatest argument for God's existence. The greatest. Because intellectually, we can argue the existence of God through pure reason. And we have, in fact, I think some of the strongest arguments, which outweighs even atheism. But he says, this problem of evil is actually the biggest obstacle for people. Because what do we proclaim? God is love. God is our father. God is good. And then something like this happens, and that throws our worlds into a tailspin, doesn't it? Mary and Martha in this amazing story of the gospel, they're in the house, they're hosting Jesus, and it's, and it's said twice, it describes Martha here, who's running around trying to host Jesus. We have guests coming over, so she's running back from the dining room to the kitchen, back and forth. And Mary, as Martha says, she's burdened with much serving. And she's anxious and worried about many things. The word here that describes Martha in the original Greek is telling. It's peripeo which literally means to pull away from. So that's, that's the more literal meaning of the text. So it says here that Martha is being pulled away from uh, with all her distractions. This is what suffering does to us. It pulls us away from God. And then our Lord highlights Mary's example. And she says, after Martha, who's being pulled away from Jesus, says, notice that Mary, your sister, she's actually chosen the better part because there's need of only one thing now. You see, he says here that Mary is, is at the feet of Jesus in the house. That is first century language for Mary taking the posture of a disciple. So in the first century, when there was a learned rabbi, a great spiritual leader, and his disciples wanted to learn wisdom from this spiritual leader, the Jews would, would go to the feet of this rabbi as he was sitting down, and they would listen intensely at his wisdom and his knowledge. So Mary has chosen that. While Martha is being pulled away, And suffering is the greatest of this pulling away from. Especially all of us. All of us, when we look at the landscape of the world, oftentimes we shake our heads and we just look at the suffering of this world, don't we? We see the pain, the heartache, and it's just, just everywhere. There is no escaping this, by the way. If you are alive, you will suffer. You will suffer. There's no way out of it. And in the suffering now, as, as, which, which burdens us, which, by the way, if, if, I, if I can just briefly go on a tangent, be patient with one another, my brothers and sisters. Be patient with each other. Be patient with your family, your neighbors. Be patient with that rude grocery clerk you encounter. 
Be patient with that guy that cuts you off on the road. Huh? Be patient because we carry, all of us do, tremendous burden. And, and we don't know, when we look at each other, we're like, okay, you're fine. We're all fine looking. But some of us carry tremendous weight. And when we look at this landscape of the world, there's so much pain and suffering, which is why, again, we are blessed when, as Jesus says, when we are peacemakers. Meaning with so much pain and suffering in this world, if why would I add to it through the breaking down of the family or the breaking down of the parish? You know what pains me whenever I see arguing in family, by the way? I mean, it, it occurs naturally, but it pains me when there's infighting or, or when parishioners tear each other down in the church. I mean, not just here, I'm talking about the wider church. Or, or, when, or when, we, when, when we just gossip and, and, and we tear each other down. Why? Because there's already enough suffering in this world already. Why am I going to add to it? Just by, by virtue of being alive, it's already there. And if I have the power and ability to, to not choose suffering then, let me be rather an agent of healing and reconciliation and truth rather than constantly trying to break each other down. For what? There's enough of it already. But notice now Paul in that second reading in his powerful letter. He says something very strange. He says, I rejoice now, he says, strangely. He says, brothers and sisters, I rejoice in my sufferings. Why does he say that? Because I rejoice in my suffering for your sake. For in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. You see, now here is the shift. And here is what marks Christians as different than everybody else. And how we approach suffering. Because our, what does our world tell us about suffering? Run away from it. Medicate from it. Run, just, get, just avoid it as much as possible. There is no meaning in suffering. But not for us Christians. No, not for us. See, Paul understands. He says, when I suffer now, and he's speaking to you, to me, to the Hammond family, he says to us, in all of your suffering, he says, I rejoice in this. Why? Because Paul understands now that because of Jesus, suffering has been imbued with power. The suffering, which is the great pulling away from God, now suddenly becomes a vehicle by which Jesus will save humanity. You see the other paradox here. The suffering which separates us now from God. Jesus Christ uses it and, and empowers it with his love. You see, how are you and I saved, by the way? How will you or I even get into heaven? It is only through the suffering of Jesus Christ and through his death that we get to heaven. Not because I'm, I'm good or how many rosaries or how many masses I, I, I do and pray. No, as good as those things are. We get to heaven because of what Jesus does precisely on the cross. That is how heaven is open for humanity. 
So now Paul sees. He says, now I rejoice in my suffering because now with the pain that we endure, when I make it an, an, an act of prayer through Jesus. See, there's, there's the subtle shift. When I take the suffering, again, all of you have it. When you take your suffering and now you consciously unite it to Jesus on the cross. United to him in prayer. It becomes part of Christ's salvific act of love. That is why Paul says here, says, I make up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Again, another strange saying. What is lacking in the affliction of Christ is the suffering that you and I contribute to it. Does that make sense? It's powerful. It's pow it changes everything, by the way. It will change everything how you view your own life. What is missing in the cross of Jesus Christ is the suffering that I willingly give to him. Which is why Paul now rejoices. Because he says, I rejoice in the suffering for your sake on behalf of his body, the church. Again, meaning that when I add my suffering to Jesus on the cross, God takes my suffering now. He takes it transforms it through the cross, and then through that suffering, applies it to the salvation of others. So now, every time I'm in pain, I am suffering, God can now take this suffering and save other people. See, God doesn't need our suffering. He doesn't need it, because again, it's absolutely perfect and, and, and full in and of itself. But he allows us now to share in it. To share in the very suffering of Christ and to participate in the salvation of the world. That is why Paul here powerfully says, I rejoice in my suffering. Because the more I suffer, and again, here is the strange counterintuitive line and logic. When I suffer, more people will be saved. That is why he rejoices, for the sake of the body, the church. Again, my friends, see, this is a strange logic, which is why all of you who suffer, and you do all suffer, transform it into a prayer. Because I'm utterly convinced, you know, I, I'm a broken record, and I always encourage all of you or rather, I challenge all of you. <laughs> pray every day, right? You hear me say that all the time. Pray every day, pray every day. Let's follow again. Pray every day. Yes, pray every day. Come to Mass, especially add a daily Mass to your spiritual war chest. Huh? Go to confession. Why am I always a broken record with that? Because I'm only convinced that it is only in Christ. Only in Jesus are we able to truly heal to save the world. That's why I, I, I challenge you all of that. Because it's only in Jesus, when we grow in holiness, when we grow in love with Jesus Christ, only then do we become the Christians we were created to be. And that is why, despite this great tragedy, of the Hammond family or the great other tragedies that our world 
is inflicted with. There's always hope. And why we have the audacity to rejoice, as hard as it is. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.